Hi, everyone. I'm Joanna Grace, sound healer, music teacher, and performer in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I believe strongly that music is an underused strategy to help us cope with, to, to deal with, to explore emotions that we may not feel safe expressing in the world. And music brings us together. And it's extremely healing if we invite that part of music into our lives. So I'm delighted to be here today. Joanna Grace, welcome to Leaders and Managers Hub podcast. We're delighted that you're able to join us. And it's a, it's a beautiful day to share a beautiful conversation. So we're, uh, we're just going to get straight into it if you are comfortable. I'm comfortable. Okay. I'm more than comfortable. <laughs> Let, let's do this. Um, so in your introduction, you introduced yourself. And within your introduction, there was quite a significant piece around music and sound. And we're going to absolutely explore all of that because there's a lot around that that I'm personally, I'm, I'm very interested and very curious about for somebody uh, who, who has spent many, many decades in his head and is learning to, to get in tune with his body uh, to have a conversation with you around that. But first, so, so one of the pieces of feedback that we, we receive quite a lot from our listeners is that they love to hear a little bit about the backstory of our guests because story for us humans is, is vitally important. Uh, and people love to hear it. So I'd love if you can share what you are willing to share in terms of your backstory, you know, how you've got to where you are, what your journey has been, if you will, please. Sure. So I'll share some some humor in my journey. There's also um, some sadness and, and some struggles as well in there. And, um, you know, my intent is is just to, to give our listeners a little bit of perspective around why music has helped me, why I chose music. Um, and maybe there's something in my story that, that resonates with you in some way and might inspire you to, to think about music or listen to music in a new way. So uh, I don't come from a musical family. <laughs> um, I think the most musical part of our family was that my older sister, when she was four, threatened to run away to the babysitter's house because they had a piano and we didn't. And so before I could speak, I was able to listen to music that my sister was playing and um, count mistakes with my fingers behind her. So when she could turn around, I could hear the mistakes. So I, I had some aptitude for noticing when patterns were correct or, or not correct. It's just kind of the basic way that we hear music is patterns and when what's repeating and what's not, we get familiar with expecting things and wanting things a certain way and and also sometimes being delighted when they're not the way that we're expecting. Um, but in my family of origin, um, my biological father who lived with us until the divorce um, 
he, he was emotionally abusive. So um, this was damaging to me is that uh, I felt quite on edge. I felt I didn't know what to say or what to do. Uh, I would be guided to do one thing, but when I did it, I would get punished. And so I was kind of on edge and um, not feeling uh, a very good sense of self. I had, uh, you know, in retrospect, I had quite low self-esteem. I didn't think I was worthy. I didn't mm. think I was going to amount to anything. Um, but with music, I had an outlet and we had a rule in our family. This was maybe one of the most helpful rules for my development is that when my sister or I were practicing, everyone had to be quiet. So if somebody was making music in the home, everyone else had to stop what they were doing, be quiet, no TV, no talking, no shouting, nothing. And of course, this was my safe place. Mm. <laughs> so I, I really gravitated towards playing music. And thankfully, I had uh, a teacher that you know, could see my physical tension, could sense my physical tension, and give me pieces that I could get out um, some of the frustration, some of the tension through music in a healthy way. Um, so that's a little bit of, how, you know, kind of the, the origin of how this all happened was I, I had self-esteem through playing music, but I also mm. had safety because I could be alone. And then I, mm. I had joy in joining others through bands and orchestras, those kinds of groups where, where people get together and learn music together. So it's been a real, an anchoring point of my life that I can always turn to music when I need more social connection, when I need more solitude, when I need more expression of emotions that are difficult, when I need some to feel like I have a trusted friend listening to me. There's certain music I can put on where I just feel that. And the performers on the CD or on, the, on Spotify or whatever, they don't know really how they're impacting you, but you can still have this impact for yourself. Mm -hmm. Just to say our listeners are of a, a demographic where they, they do understand what CDs are. Um, okay. <laughs> As I said that out loud, I thought, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, mo well, most of our listeners still still remember the CD. Some of them even remember the original vinyl. So, uh, yeah. Fabulous. Yeah, we have all sorts. That's really interesting, Joanna, because uh, as I was listening to your story, I heard, I heard music bringing peace to chaos. And I heard music being somewhere where you could go to and... Also, it was an opportunity to connect with others as well in the joy of creating something together. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So you then obviously you were growing up, you were embarking upon education and career. So music was, by the sounds of it, it was probably inevitable that whatever you were going to do, it was going to involve music. So what, where did you go? Sure. Um, I make the joke sometimes that uh, I chose music because I wasn't interested in anything else, <laughs> which is kind of true, <laughs> but that's, that's an overstatement. There, yeah, there yeah. were other interests. It's just that they weren't as compelling to me as music. And, and as opposed to people doing stuff because they believe that that's what's expected of them and not doing something that they really love and enjoy. Mm -hmm. I, I was so blessed that uh, my mom always invested in my music education. She could see the value in it, in the inherent value of it, and also the value for me to have music lessons and to 
have that expression. Um, so, so there was never, there was never a talk about, Oh no, are you going to make enough money? That never happened. Um, I kind of wish it had at some point, but uh, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, and so I just sort of very naively went on this path of, of doing an undergraduate degree in music and a master's degree in music and kind of just really having just uh, this, this naive trust that, Oh, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, everything will be easy. I'll be able to make money doing this. Uh, it wasn't so easy, but um, I made it happen <laughs> at that point. I'm dedicated. Mm. Um, so, so yeah. So professionally, I, I found that I got my greatest fulfillment in teaching and being able to provide that, you know, one-to-one space with my students that I so cherished that my childhood teachers were able to embark on with me. And I was noticing that some of my students would come in tight or stressed, or I would notice that um, I had one student whose mom was, was yelling at him every time she dropped him off. And and it's an interesting situation to be in as a music teacher. It's as a private music teacher with an independent studio. Um, it's not my place, you know, to get involved in family dynamics, um, nor was I trained to, I never saw any abuse except this yelling or hearing the yelling. Mm. Um, so, so what the only thing I felt that I could do was to invite this student to play music, to get out some of that aggression, probably some of the things he wanted to say back that he was punished for saying, or was afraid to say, um, for maybe, maybe he was being emotionally abused and he had done something that he was told to do and then was punished for doing what he was told to do. It's very confusing. So I, this is when I got interested in the sound healing aspect of it was, wow, in a situation with just two people, we can really co-create an experience that is customized and is very healing. We don't even have to talk about that. We don't have to talk about the fact that his mom yelled at him. All we need to do is find a piece where he can express himself and feel better by the end of the lesson. Then, then we've, we've done some real juicy work here. So you decided to, you said it wasn't your place to do something about it, but you also weren't equipped to do something about it. So at what point did the coaching come in? The coaching came in around the same time that I was doing sound healing. Let me backtrack a little bit just to kind of guide what, what's the difference between a, a music lesson and a sound healing session kind of in general. Um, when I'm talking about a music lesson, I'm talking about somebody coming to learn the piano, for example, and they want to learn how to play the piano and they might have a favorite song or they might have something that they want to learn how to do. And a one-on-one customized lesson helps them get that catered attention towards their goals that Mm. they wouldn't get on YouTube. They could find YouTube videos to answer some questions, but it wouldn't be a a linear path to their goal. Um, So in in music teaching, it is a bit of coaching in some ways. I think of myself more as the the coaching and the sound healing um, coming in together. And and when I think of, of the difference in sound healing, my sound healing sessions are welcoming people for the specific purpose of using sound to heal something or to release a stuck emotion or to gain insight or clarity into a situation. Whereas somebody coming for a music lesson is looking to play something. Mm. 
Hmm. specific. They may also want to have self-esteem or to be able to achieve a more um, stress-free experience in their life. But generally there's, there's, there's a distinction that someone seeking out a sound healing session is saying more like, I am super stressed. You know, I heard that music can help. What can you do? (laughs) Please help me. (laughs) You know, they're not necessarily wanting to play an instrument or use their voice, but Mm. sometimes that happens. Sometimes there's a crossover there. I want to put something to you. It's a thought I've had and, and maybe you might be able to either validate it or debunk it. I don't know. So I'm Irish and in our culture, uh, when we had imperial overlords, if you want, there were expressions of our culture, such as our language um, and other things that we were forbidden to express. And one of the ways that uh, we, we got around that was through, we expressed ourselves through music. Mm-hmm. And that's why the musical tradition and the traditional music tradition in Ireland is still very strong, albeit it's been corrupted by certain political events in the last hundred years and stuff. But the, at its very base, it's an opportunity for people to express themselves in a way that they couldn't express their humanity in any other way. So I wonder if when people come along for a music lesson, I mean, yes, you can teach somebody the technicalities of playing an instrument, but actually it's their, their self-expression that is what makes the difference between a music teacher and actually somebody who teaches an instrument and a music teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I put to you that perhaps, even though you might not have consciously intended it at the time, you were coaching and encouraging people to express themselves through their choice of instrument. Mm-hmm. Well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think I was totally aware of that at the time. Um, and, and I can see that now, I think it's, we have my desire to work one-on-one with someone so that I really can sense where they're at and meet them where they're at. I can see their frustration in their face and see Mm. if there's a tear about to fall down, then I can shift to something that they can feel more successful about, right? There's this, this ebb and flow with, with, with music teaching, sound healing, personal development, probably lots of industries where we have people that are coming for some kind of a result. Mm. And in that journey of them achieving that result, there's, there's challenges and struggles. And, and how, how can we most honor where they're at, push them, challenge them to be their best self, to go through that sticky point of frustration, of doubt, and then, and then let them poke through to the, the success you know, mm-hmm. it's um, learning and developing is is not a straight path. It's the ups and downs. And how do we know when to uh, persevere through something that seems like a failure? Like these mm-hmm. are these are big, big things to take on alone or with a mentor or with a coach. Yeah. And so I guess as well, you would be quite attentive and observant of if a student came to you, whether you'd ever seen them or not, the way they interact with their with their instrument, for example, you would be able to identify if there was a an unnatural tension there in, in the body. Yes. 
Yes, this this happened just last week, actually. Sometimes visually, it's it's hard to really be certain about it. So I had a sense that this uh, student was was tense, and so I just offered it as a possibility. And actually, I can't always see like the the minuscule motions. Uh, sometimes we hear it in the sound. Sometimes not as much. So so I just offered it as a possibility. I'm going to say something. I could be totally wrong here. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sensing that you're holding tension in your body when it's not adding any value to the sound. This is what I believe might be happening. Is this possible for you? And then it gave her that ownership to have the self-awareness to feel it. And she did agree with me, which makes it a little easier to continue. And if she didn't agree with me, then that's that's where I stop because, mm. you know, there's certain boundaries. I can't make someone feel something that they don't for sure. feel. <laughs> right? and, and as coaches, I mean, we listen phenomenologically, whether that's through our body, through our ear, we listen with our intuition. Half the time stuff comes up and we don't know whether it's our stuff or the mm. client's stuff. Right. So we test the water by, we say, look, this is what I'm, this is what I'm getting. Is there any significance for you in that? And if they say no, none whatsoever, it's like, okay, we'll move on. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's not true because it could be a slow burner, mm-hmm. but you know, there's no point in barking up that tree. We move on. And then if the person decides later on that it's significant for them, then you can come back to it. As you were talking there, I, I had an image in my head of, of a little girl with an incredibly intuitive ear. When you talked about when your sister was playing music and you were sitting behind her and you were noticing the the mistakes, there was probably a lot more that you were noticing as well. And and so you've clearly got intuition through your ears. And I don't necessarily mean it's exclusively through your ears, but it's uh, that's something I've not had a conversation with anybody about before. We talk about intuition in this kind of very broad sense, but it's very hard for people to put their finger on where, where their intuition receptors might be. And so clearly for you, you've got your ears are, are significant in that mm-hmm. and how they are connected to your intuitive brain as well, or brains, mm-hmm. depending on your modality. So I'm keen to talk about music as a, as a healing sound, sorry, as a healing medium. And the reason I'm particularly interested in this, because I spent 35 years in my head for all sorts of reasons. I deliberately detached myself from what was going on below my chin. And yet I was very much aware, partly because of the cultural interjects of of being grown up in Ireland. I, I was very influenced by music and sound. And I am very keen on patterns within sound. If I if I notice a, an atrophy of pattern, it drives me nuts. I get a real cognitive dissonance. Like if there's two clocks ticking and they're not ticking at the same speed. I don't need them to be ticking at the same time, mm-hmm. but I need them to be ticking at the same interval, if you see mm-hmm. what I mean, mm-hmm. same frequency. So talk to me about sound healing, because mm. this is something that I personally intend to explore for myself. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I think what's important to start out with is that sound is vibration. And, you know, I was taught in science class that everything is vibration. 
<laughs> yep, everything is energy. Mm-hmm. So if everything is vibration, then everything is making a sound, whether we're hearing it or not. Mm. And we are drawn to certain sounds at certain times for certain reasons. And at other times, certain sounds are just, you know, annoying. Can't get away from it fast enough. Even just talking about a virtual imaginary sound is making me choke up. Mm. (laughs) Even talking about a sound I want to get away from. So what is it about sound that draws us in or repels us? Okay. And sometimes we can think of sound in, in two basic categories. Sound that has a wave that is a very repeatable pattern, like a tone from someone's voice. This may or may not uh, come through Zoom for everybody here, but... um... Folks, we just want to pause the podcast here for a second just to explain that the next segment you're about to hear unfortunately hasn't translated as well across the recording as it did in the moment as an experience but we've decided to leave it in anyway because it's quite key to understanding how Joanna works. And, well, all I can say is that subsequently to this recording, I've had a session, coaching session, sound healing session with Joanna, and I can absolutely attest to the effect of it. Um, So we've left it in so that it ties everything together, but we just wanted to make you aware. So on with the show. Now, here's an example. I felt that right down my spine. It's a a very different sound than um, rustling papers. So having having an even wave of sound is is one of the ways we can differentiate. Did I choke you up? No, it started literally at the top of my throat that area and went right down my spine that, the tone from yeah, my voice the tone yeah that was really that was and, and that was very pleasant okay yeah no sorry i'm just i'm trying to share my what that experience was like for me that was i could feel i could track it down my spine i don't know if it was supposed to do that but that's what it did so so then i just asked what was what was the impact for you? You said it was enjoyable. It, it was pleasant. Did it shift anything? So I've often seen dogs, right? A dog can start a body shake from the tip of its nose and it kind of shakes independently every millimeter of its body all the way to the tip of its tail. And I've often looked at that and thought, oh, I would love to be able to do that. That's what it felt like. Great. And there was a, it's like I would I want more of that. It's like that, you know, the exercise they you can see it on YouTube where they ask you to do the long woo that one. And and that has an effect for me. And it's a bit akin to that, but it was it it's not as profound when I do it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It it sounded extraordinary when you just open your mouth and let that wonderful sound out. For me, it sounded like this is so similar with crystal singing bowl sound this is unreal Mm. so i love gong bats and i'm a little bit familiar with those and i was like you're doing this with your voice Mm. that vibration and that frequency was just i hope it will go through zoom nicely because it went really strong and then a little bit went not quiet but um, 
I don't know how to explain it. I could still feel the vibration, mm. even though the sound wasn't really there, as in hearing with mm. my ears. But I could still feel its presence. So, yeah, I really hope this is going through nicely as an audiophile as well. But, yeah, mm. it was very, very special. I'm, I'm conscious that we, we've kind of interrupted your flow a little bit, Joanna. Mm. But I, I'm, I'm really curious to ask, what's your experience when you do that? So for me, uh, I feel my feet grounded on the floor. I'm standing up right now. So my intent is to be a channel of, of my highest good and what is the highest good of everyone present here. Mm. And my intent was, I actually didn't have much of an intent. <laughs> I think it was just to give an example of a sound with a, with a waveform that people could resonate with and, and also recognizing that not everybody will. Um, but to contrast that pure, what I consider more of a pure sound with uh, rustling papers, which yeah. some people may find very healing to listen to rustling papers. Um, I would say most people that I know would much prefer hearing a tone. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm now aware you, you've drawn my awareness to the fact that people might have heard that last little segment and gone, what the hell are they on about? I didn't, I didn't feel anything. So, but I, I just, I just felt compelled to share the experience that I just yeah. had. Yeah, it, it's quite, it's quite new for me. All of this, and it, it's joyous to to experience it. To be honest, yeah. But mm. for those of you listening um, that didn't feel anything, that's totally fine. I didn't have an intention for you to feel anything, and it's not. Uh, it's not my responsibility for you to feel anything. Mm. Uh, you either feel or you don't, or, or you're resonant or you're not. And there's nothing right or wrong about that. People come into spaces in different energies. There have been times where I've heard some sound healing where I didn't feel anything either. Mm. <laughs> I'm a sound healer. <laughs> And uh, yeah, people around me like, oh, wow, that was great. I saw this archangel. I saw this rainbow. And I, I, I can tell you, I felt nothing. Mm. So um, our perception of sound is, is quite varied. We like different music. Chances are maybe your favorite song. I've never heard it before. Uh, people are in different countries. They have different traditions and different musical experiences that they've been exposed to um music can be just as healing whatever genre the music is mm. so so please anyone listening uh there's no expectation for you to like or dislike anything here um yeah just mm. an invitation to explore what you do like and if it does give you a sense of joy then, then an invitation to have more of it Hmm. And for our listeners, if anybody does find the noise of rustling paper soothing and relaxing, please email us at podcastandleadersandmanagershub.com because we want to talk to you. I'm interested in people who find things opposite to the things that I find pleasant. Um, just to kind of understand where that difference may be. Um, and, and I find things like rustling paper very abrasive to the nervous system and and that's it could be something well it, it's obviously something about me 
but people who find it pleasurable, it's it's interesting about them as well. So yeah, if anybody found or maybe listened to that piece and, and didn't feel anything or find anything in that, um, again, just get in touch and, and share your experience with us or lack thereof. Joanna, thank you. Sorry, we, we took a complete bit of segue there. So mm. you, were, you were just explaining to us about sort of different different elements of sound in that we can have a, a wave that flows versus like rustling paper, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, those are just two, two categories of, of sound um, that, that people could, could think about as far as, you know, what, what resonates, what doesn't resonate. Mm. Um, but I just feel, I feel drawn to the word wave now because a lot of people go to the beach or go to vacations with water, right? And so what is it about water that is healing? Some people find the visual very healing or they like canoeing or kayaking or swimming and feeling the water. But let's just talk about the ocean waves, the rhythmic nature of the waves and how that changes with the tide. Sometimes that wave is smaller and sometimes it's bigger and it has a small crash or a big crash. And there's a rhythm with the waves, whether it's slow or fast, that, that somewhat stays steady for some period of time until it evolves or a storm is approaching or um, the storm is leaving. Mm. And, and this kind of sound, um, I'm, I, might, uh, I, you know, I might advocate that a lot of people that go to the beach maybe are not conscious of the fact that, you know, the sound of the waves is somehow helping them feel more calm. They, they may identify with the sunshine or being away from work or, you know, being able to have a drink on the beach or, you know, just mm. not to have to do anything. But mm. I would really advocate that it's the sound of the waves that, um, People are, uh, there's a word in sound healing called their entrainment, that their body rhythm, their heartbeat can, can align with the waves and create that, um, that connection, whether it's conscious or unconscious on, on the part of the person at the beach, the, the, the waves, they're still hearing those waves and that sound. And that rhythmic sound that can be very, very soothing in addition to the sunshine and mm. good food and being away from work. <laughs> I'm also thinking, as you say that, because I grew up a long, long, long way from the sea. But what I did have was a lot of trees mm. and I would experience the waves of the wind through the tree. Mm. Um, and again, I can remember the feeling now of, of that soothing even though there was a lot of power to it it was the soothing rhythm of those trees blowing and the noise that they made Mm -hmm. so uh, I want to just ask if you google sound and put in sound and conspiracy I guess into google there's a lot of talk about magic frequencies and 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 that sort of thing um and and i have no no idea 
really whether there's any validity to it or you know there's the certain suggestions that certain frequencies unlock deeper levels of knowledge and stuff you know what, what what's your take on that mm, i haven't read or seen anything about this <laughs> to be okay. honest with you okay um i need to clear my google search history then clearly yeah that's okay um uh yeah i've i've i uh, haven't heard about this i um I think the thing that comes up that may or may not be relevant to your question is, um, you know, is there a time when, when sound can be detrimental to somebody, right? Can mm-hmm. we use sound in a way to create harm? Um, I, I think of the sound healing that I do as a way to give regard to, let's say, um, an insect, for example, that's mm-hmm. in my space. And instead of killing it, I can create a sound to communicate with it to get out. Yeah. Uh, and, and so um, I believe that sound can be used to shift, to shift things. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think of it more as um, for me, it, it's only, it's only worked when I give regard to the insect or the situation that I want to shift. I can't make somebody do something can't make the insect leap, but I can create a sound that resonates with it to a degree and then invites it to go that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Once upon a time, our species, we, we didn't wear shoes. We were, we were connected to the earth all the time. So we experienced a huge amount of information through vibrations through our feet not having experienced the sound bath or or sound healing so i'm going to come along for the first time to to one of your sound healing sessions what what am i going to experience mm-hmm. so i do invite people to take their shoes off and um and keep their feet flat on the floor unless it's a situation where we've got cushions and we're kind of in a circle, mm-hmm. which can sometimes happen. People can sit how they like with that. The invitation is to really come as you are to accept it might not be your best day. You might have some chronic pain. You might be nervous about what to expect. Um, there. I would say there's really almost a requirement that there's a real acceptance of self acceptance of where you're at. Um, Because we have to, we have to feel what it is that is uncomfortable or unwanted or undesired before we can actually make the shift. I would say a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of people I talk to uh, initially, you know, might just say like, well, just fix me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, right. And well, I can provide a situation in which some clarity can happen for someone to have a shift or an evolution to a more desired effect. However, the, the shift has to be, initiated by the self the person that is asking for that and if they are 
focused only on getting out of the situation that they're in, then the result is, is not, um, is not going to be really what they're hoping for. (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's that um, it's feeling into the discomfort and having, if they can really feel that and sit with that, then any sound that I create or they create with me or I put into the space will, will resonate with their discomfort and then have a shift and an evolution out of that. Hmm. Do you often get the fix me requests? I, I think sort of, I mean, a lot of the people I work with are quite holistic minded and some of them are, a lot of them are therapists and counselors themselves. Mm. Um, I think, I think it's more the fix me thing comes from a sense of impatience of, Hey, I've tried this thing. I've tried that thing. It didn't work. Like, come on already. Let's just, let's just make this happen <laughs> kind of thing. Or, or maybe um, a challenge that there's an underlying message of you can't fix me. Mm. Yeah. I get the fix me, the fix me doc message quite a lot. At least that, that's the psychological message that presents initially. And often it's, it's a, a masked challenge. There's an underlying I'm not fixable message underneath that, um, which can sometimes initially gets in the way of things to start with, because you've got to take a couple of steps back to then move forward. Okay, so I've turned up on giving of myself. I'm kind of in the mindset that there's no expectation. I just want to experience and see what that experience does for me. So what do we do next? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I just want to backtrack a little bit. Yes, sorry, of course. uh, Yeah, I just heard I heard you say that that you wouldn't have an expectation. And actually, I, I want my clients to have some expectation to have an intention of what it is that they want to feel by the end of the session. Okay. Um, In a way I actually do like invite an expectation, but I like to have that conversation at the beginning. So we're both clear because if they have an expectation for a certain outcome, but they don't communicate it to me, I can't help facilitate that change for them. Hmm. So I try to zero in on what's the, what's the number one, if this session exceeded your greatest expectations, what would you receive? Like, let's just put it out there. And some people have a really hard time really asking for what they would want. I'm not guaranteeing I can provide that for them. I'm just saying, let's get clear about what you really, really want here. Mm. Because if we're not clear, if we're not speaking the same language, you know, without words, then we're not on the same page. Mm. We're, we're, we're a, we're a unit. We have to um, work together mm. to create this. There has to be a willingness and a desire to want something on the client side, and and my ability to feel the difference, the gap between where they're at and where they want to be, so that I can provide that sound vibration to help them see and feel what's possible for them. Mm. Expectation m- might have been a, a poor choice of words for me. So I I would have no preconception about what's gonna what we're gonna do. 
but certainly personally for me, my reason for, for coming to one of your sessions would be I would want to have an experience of feeling from the top of my head to the tip of my toes. That, that would be such an achievement to feel. And for, for a lot of people, that's hard. That's hard for them to understand. Like, what do you mean feel? Like, you can feel things. You can feel the desk and stuff. Yes, I can. It's not the same sort of feel. Um, maybe some people might, instead of say feel, they might say experience. They want to experience themselves from the top of their head to the tip of their toes. So, yeah, yeah, that would be my... That would be my intention. Mm -hmm. Great. So then we would have that understanding at the beginning of the session. Mm -hmm. And at some point I would check in with you. And if I don't see it from your, from your body language, you would have your eyes closed in the session. I would be kind of circling you if we were in person with the sound or, um, and be on zoom, Uh, I would check in and say, what are you noticing? Where are you at? Or what thought just came into your mind? Because sometimes, you know, our mind will wander. Mm. Sometimes that information is quite relevant to the desired effect that a client has. They were just thinking about that situation. Why? Mm. Because it's not clear. (laughs) It hasn't been cleared. It's unresolved. And that comes up as something else, another layer to dive into or Sometimes people receive um, intuitive messages about more, more depth around their situation that they hadn't thought of before. It's about creating a space for people to actually feel into what is there for them. Mm. And I would say, I think the challenge, the, the challenge for a lot of people, myself included, is to take time for these kinds of activities. You know, there's, I, I love working. I love helping people. And some people, some of my friends look at me and say, wow, don't you ever have a day off? Why would I want a day off? (laughs) I love what I do. Right. And I can sometimes find myself a bit overwhelmed or stressed. And, and what can I do for myself to create a space to give myself that time? In a way, sometimes force that time upon myself. I really just need to sit here and listen to this music and feel whatever's present for me and take that time to see what kind of guidance or intuition I can receive from that experience. I think taking the time is the biggest obstacle because there's a lot of, um, I don't like to make generalizations. I am going to make one. There's a lot of impatience in the world. We want, we want things. We see, we see what's possible. I I wish it happened two weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Oh man. I I wanted that. I didn't know about it. Now it's sold out. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what drives consumerism. I mean, it's, it's absolutely not a generalization because consumerism is such a prevailing condition, I would say within, within the species. And it's that need to have it yesterday that drives that um, and the, the anxiety that not having it yesterday causes you. So I couldn't get it yesterday. So I need to get it at the very latest tomorrow. When actually, if you reflected on it for a little while, you probably wouldn't need it in your life at all, whatever it is. Mm. I, I love that idea of also holding space. 
and to a certain extent holding time not not holding it still but making the passage of time less relevant in that moment for people because that's often the first step to to just slowing down mm. and listening to ourselves and listening to what we we're really asking for and so and pardon the pun what what are the instruments of your work do you use your voice exclusively what what what, what do you use sure i use my voice a lot um i find it's the most hmm i guess malleable because i can change pitch i can change volume i can change the vowel sounds that i'm making that I can make tweaks and adjustments in the shortest amount of time possible when I'm working with a client. Um, there's, let me finish your question. Then I want to go to something else. Uh, I also use um, a crystal bowl and I have a, what's called a tongue drum or a hang drum. People might be familiar with either of those words. It's a metal drum. And it has a bit of a chimey sound to it. Um, some people might be familiar with um, like the gamelan orchestras in Indonesia. Uh, it's kind of like very, I, I, I would call it a very just pleasant grounding. And there's there are a lot of different notes on the drum. Mm. So it has a lot of different pitches, different frequencies. So you hear, you can play melodies on it. You can repeat melodies on it. You can come back to certain notes. Um, that has been amazing for sound healing sessions. And then um, I have tuning forks, which uh, work better in person than online, depending on the, the, the electronic transfer of sound here. But tuning forks can be quite uh, balancing because you can have one pitch in one ear and one pitch in the other ear. And so you kind of get that combination of those two pitches entering your body and there's the, the aspect of um, using the tuning forks to cross over the body or to surround the body. So um, tuning forks are great. Mm. And I have um, it's a rattle of sorts. It's got a few, few different, um, like, I don't know what it's made of. Um, they look like seeds from some exotic country that I don't know about. And uh, they, they rattle and um, I can I can use those in sessions for for different purposes. Sometimes to really release uh, what I consider a really deep stuckness that that I'm sensing from somebody. Mm. Um, but sometimes I use them to kind of simulate ocean waves or or um, air going through the trees. That just kind of that little yeah sound. Um, but the voice is, is really, I've just been embracing it more and more, especially with the pandemic um, and fewer in-person events. The voice and using my voice with clients has just been really amazing. Mm. Um, what I wanted to, to mention about the voice is that when I'm working with someone and I'm using my voice, I, I sense where in their energy field the sound is harmonious and where there is resistance. Mm. So I am, am sensing 
let's say, you know, you, Ray, I'm sensing your energy and I'm using my voice. And without my knowledge or control, the, the quality of the sound will change at some point. And that's where I know that something is, there's an invitation there for something to shift. So I can spend more time on that note or that part of the body or that energetic um, emotion or sensation that's coming mm. through and, and shift that throughout the session. I think that's, that's probably one of my favorite parts of using my voice is <laughs> when I feel like it has a voice of its own, it yeah. does its own thing. And I think, Oh, okay. Ah, oh, let's, let's, let's spend some time here. Yeah. That's really fascinating, Joanna, because when I was saying, okay, so this is my expectation, actually a little voice in the back of my head was going, I'd actually really like to find out where things are getting stuck. And so I'm curious, do different parts of the body resonate to different frequencies of sound perhaps? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's definitely research out there that shows that different organs in the body have an associated frequency to them. Mm. Um, even the chakras can be aligned with particular frequencies. Mm. Um, I, I have found <laughs> that I prefer not to adhere to that specifically. I find that even though there is scientific evidence to, to support that. I find it somewhat limiting because I think of it as just because we have an organ that may resonate to a certain frequency doesn't mean we want that frequency to be heard. That may not be the, it's just, it is what it is that <laughs> this is. So um, I like, I like to have more flexibility mm. in the frequencies that I use with people. And I often I don't have perfect pitch, meaning I don't know always what tone I'm creating for a client. Um, and to me, that gets me out of my head because I have such an extensive music background that if I knew what this frequency was, then I would just be in a different space. Or if I had a preconceived notion and I said, Ray, uh, you've been in your head all those years. Now you're evolving out of that. You need this note. <laughs> like, yeah. Who am yeah. I to say that this one note is going to be your cure-all? And if it were just that one note, you could go find it and buy that one note and you know resolve the issue, right? So what is it about having two people in the room together or a group of people that are sharing an experience with a sound facilitation? How is that different? It's because of the energy of the people. It's not because of uh, some book that says, use this note to help with this. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, there, and I'm glad for the science. I'm really glad for it. It's just not my thing. Yeah. Um, so it's out there. If any of these listeners, um, you know, want to explore that, please feel free. Um, it's just not my thing. <laughs> I, I love effectively what you're saying is you like to work emergently you know, what comes up, comes up and we, we go from there. And, and that, that's a beautiful way to work with people. Everybody is an individual and there's no pre-prescribed path here because the risk with, with any coaching modality is to become very formulaic about it. 
and and sometimes the way we're we're trained and sometimes the way we have to go through certain processes to get certain accreditations really drives us down the road of being formulaic and and i i love to be able to throw the textbooks out the window and just see what turns up um that that's a great way to be able to work and it's a great experience for the client as well because things things will shift that we had no idea we're going to because we have literally you know not ripped up the rule book we're not talking about ethics here but you know we we're working in the moment absolutely <laughs> i want to ask and i i don't know please tell me if if this isn't somewhere that you feel able to go with this conversation so i'm very interested in trauma that sounds awful doesn't it i'm interested in trauma what i'm interested in is so i'm i i hold the belief that we hold trauma in the body because i i i am living proof of that and i'm searching for different ways to be able to release that that fight or flight trauma response because that's really the ripples of the trauma is is that that heightened fight flight response do you do work that in some way is able to or can work towards trying to shift some of that? Yes, I do. So trauma can can show up in, in different ways. Um, people can also identify trauma in different ways. So what I just want to start with is, um, you know, some some examples of, of trauma. It could be uh, chronic medical illness. I've worked with a number of clients with, with chronic illness, Mm. Um, even emotional abuse can, can be trauma, Mm -hmm. Um, verbal abuse, physical abuse, witnessing or being a a victim of of an experience, which was violent or harmful in some way. You know, I, I have survived a number of traumatic experiences from my perspective I think the important thing too is that what what someone identifies as trauma for themselves that what they what they decide for themselves. Mm. Other people may say, "Oh, well, that's just you know losing your job." That can very that can be a huge trauma for somebody. Yes, trauma you know? is in the eye of the beholder. Mm. Yeah, so I just want to to uh, give some kind of um, overview that basically a. A trauma is a very uh, significant experience that can be one a one-time event or a prolonged event that and somehow felt harmful physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, um, financially, what, whatever it is. So, so to give some context to that. And what I believe sound can do is it can be extremely helpful because sometimes when we talk about events that are traumatic, we can re-trigger ourselves. We can be re-traumatized by reliving the emotion, the story. He said this, she said this, oh my gosh, this happened. Then this happened. Then this happened. And I have noticed that when I have shared some stories that I feel worse again, after I tell Mm -hmm. the story, I thought I needed to offload it. I thought I needed to have someone hear me, but I feel worse because I just brought up all the emotion again. So um, what, what I do with my clients is, um, you know, definitely we have some time at the beginning, 
where they can share with me what they want to share. Sometimes clients hardly say anything. I find that really fascinating. Sometimes clients share a whole lot. I find that fascinating too. And whatever level of sharing happens at the beginning, that is what the client needs for creating the space with me to work through that. Some people want to talk a lot about it. Some people don't at all. And I think what sound can do is kind of just create the, the, the understanding. I, I think of sound really as something that, you know, the, the right music for us, right? Not just for everybody in that particular situation, but the right music for us in that situation can help us feel heard, understood, can help us feel like we have a trusted friend, can give some validation to our feelings that we may or may not get from a conversation with other people that weren't there that might say, oh, really? Well, I I had that happen to me and I'm okay now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear that. If I'm traumatized, I do not want to hear somebody else saying, oh, it's not a big deal. No, Um, it is a big deal. If If I feel traumatized, it is a big deal to me. And so what I think the music can do and and what I um, can help facilitate for my clients is to to find the right vibrations for them, not for everybody, not not from a book of this is the vibration to choose for trauma, but from from the feeling of being together, Mm. of co-creating what is the desired result here? Where Mm. can we, where can we give some um, acceptance and validation for what is, and then shift the music so that it has um, a, a journey that, that takes this client to a sense of feeling hopeful, of feeling um, like themselves again, or feeling like they have control again, what, whatever it is that comes up right in the, in the beginning of what they want to desire and, and what I sense and what they sense, you know, then, then there's a desired result. Mm. And from there, once people can feel again, like themselves, they can then feel that hope, then they can come, they can have a journey to get back to that feeling more frequently. Mm. It may not last forever, right? (laughs) It's probably not going to last forever, but they feel down here, ickiness, and by the end of the session, they feel expansive. They feel safe they feel heard and understood in a way that words were not going to get reach that that point for them then they know what that feels like then it becomes okay how can we get you back to this higher feeling you know you're going to be brought down maybe tomorrow by somebody's going to say something annoying and it's going you're going to remember this but how can we get back up here And that's when we strategize because I don't have all the answers for people Uh, have ideas. I always have ideas, but what, what do they think they can do? How can they either dedicate some time to themselves or maybe make a better, a friend out of someone that they, you know, someone they've been wanting to be friends with. Maybe this is a great opportunity to initiate that more uh, joyful, hopeful uh, presence, somebody that doesn't know about the trauma, just somebody new that Mm. they can just be present with in future experiences. Yeah. Thank you, by the way, for sharing that. Because you gave a lot of yourself in that. 
And there's sometimes talking about stuff is is not helpful. Um, I'm sorry, psychotherapist colleagues out there. Um, it's it doesn't work for everybody, and um, and sometimes it's important just to be reminded to breathe and to be reminded that we are alive. Um, I was on a, a training recently, and a colleague had a dripping tap in the background, and he commented that the the sound of the dripping tap reminded him of his own heartbeat and reminded him that he was alive. And sometimes that's the most important thing, just to remember that we are alive. Mm. Wanna, I'm conscious that my curiosity from a point of ignorance has kind of dominated proceedings a little bit. And, and I apologize slightly to you as well, Joanna, because this has been a journey of research for me um, as much as, as anything else, because I'm exploring. Wana, you've worked with sound. You've, you've experienced sound in a, in a healing, therapeutic way. Is there anything you want to ask or, or observations, thoughts? Where, where are you right now? I am simply fascinated at the moment. This is a subject that is very dear to my heart indeed. And I'm a, the biggest fan. Okay. I don't know if I'm the biggest, but I'm sure I'm right over there with the biggest Well, you'll you fight anyone who says they're bigger. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> I'll be very happy and grateful to have bigger fans than me. Um, I mean, to sound healing, have bigger fans than me. You've touched the points I was um, having in my head to ask anyway. Uh, you very gracefully do that. Almost every podcast managed to to somehow see to my questions and ask them before I do. But I am also grateful for the answers. It doesn't matter where the question is coming from. Uh, it's the information that we put out there that it's important. I don't think I have anything to add or to ask. I haven't heard your voice when I participated to your session when I met you first time, Joanna. Yeah, I host groups online called the Activate Resonance. And I experienced the um, drum. It's the only I can't remember his name. Yeah, it's called tongue drum or hang drum, H-A-N-G. And uh, I've heard that before and it's beautiful. But your voice completely blew me away today, really. It's, it's amazing. The frequency we can feel through an electronic device as well. Because normally I participated to gong bats as well via Zoom. And it's not, definitely it's not the same as it feels in person. But your voice, <laughs> I experienced it today like I would experience and I would feel the vibrations like Ray said through all my body. So I think that's very strong and powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Wanna, can I ask? Well, can I ask? I'm going to ask, and it's you can choose whether you want to answer or not. You, so you've experienced gong baths both mm -hmm. online and in person. Yes. The in-person experience. Can you just explain very briefly for our listeners what, what a gong bath is, Wana? Um, I'll try. <laughs> so 
participating to um, an event that is held by someone that is, uh, I'm not sure they're called gong masters, or they're obviously trained to play um, gong frequencies. Do I even say that right, Jonna? Please correct me at any time. I Thank you. Um, and also crystal balls or... Sorry, are you saying crystal balls or bowls? That's the language barrier help here. Bowls, B-O-W-L-S. Bowls, right. Okay. So with the thick Irish accent, that's bowls, people. Um, (laughs) But but what I meant when I asked, sorry, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot with asking you to Mm -hmm. describe it. But the reason I asked you specifically was because it's for like people have no concept of a gong master. So a gong is like a metal, a bit like a metal dish. Oh, right. Like a metal disc, but it's quite, quite big. Yeah. And it can be tuned to the planets from an astrological point of view, or it can be tuned to specific frequencies that are believed to be for healing or for aura cleansing or for energy negativity releasing. Mm. And what brings the healing together of that sounds is the way the gong master can put together a tune uh, with the different sounds that different gongs and singing bowls can can make. And it's very much intuitive, I believe. And it's intuitively giving, like Joanna explained very beautifully, the specific healing energy and vibration that that person needs at that time. Right. I get the bath bit now. Mm. So it's, sorry, my ignorance was, I had a fantasy that it would be hit the gong and the sound would resonate and then that would dissipate and then you'd hit the gong again. But this is creating a, literally a bath of sound. Yes. Yes, on different okay. frequencies and sound. And the gongs are not just like beaten with a specific stick. I have no idea what it's called. The mullet, mullet, is that how it's mallet. called? Mallet, yeah. mallet. And it's, it's the way it can be maneuvered on the gong. So it's not just like a beating like the drum. You basically walk like, like a forest walk, but on a path of the gong. I'm not sure I'm explaining this right, but it's it's a very fine movement that from what I've noticed intuitively, because normally I'm with my eyes closed. I have yeah, no idea what's going yeah, on, yeah. but I can feel the mullet being walked on the gong in a specific way that it's intuitively probably received on the spot or exercised, whatever that is. As it happened for me, it was exactly what I needed at that time. And because the the gongs are so big, but I felt that even from drum, I could feel the frequency when somebody um, beat the drum at my feet and I could feel waves just going past me from the tip of my toes to all my head, just like brushing through all of me. Yeah, and I and I didn't know that was that a drum could do that, like the gongs or the singing bowls. I experienced that with. And yeah, the drum, I felt that, I mean, they're also considered very killing sounds with a steady beating and the steady frequency as yeah. well. Because I guess, thank you for sharing that. Um, I guess, thank you for asking. like, for anybody who's, who's a, a little bit uncertain, 
you know, we're not just attracted to music for particular lyrics or because of a particular singer. There is something on a much more psychological. So, yes, maybe on the social level, for sure. But on the psychological and the existential level, we're attracted to the underlying beat harmony and vibrations of that music ultimately. And so it makes absolute and perfect sense that sound has a vibrancy and a, and a property that is quite special to us as, as human beings. And so Joanna, as Juana alluded to, you do online sessions as well as private one-to-one how do people seek you out and experience you what sort of platforms do you use Mm -hmm. yeah I would say um, the best way to check out what I have to offer and to see you know what's available is to go to my website which is soundhealingenergy.ca for Canada and on that site, you'll see that there are um, occasional online groups that I host called Activate Resonance Circle. There can be different themes, um, but generally what they all include is sound healing and connection with yourself and um, sharing space with others, even in the online space to experience healing sounds. Um I offer private sessions as well. And I can just speak to uh, (laughs) that uh, when the pandemic hit, um, I was very apprehensive about doing sound healing online. I thought, no way, it's not going to work. Had you never done it before online? I'd never done it online before. Wow. Okay. Um, But I had to cancel a big workshop. Yeah. I I honestly thought this is probably not going to work, but... Let me just offer each of these people a short one-on-one session online, which is way, you know, way more valuable than what they've paid for this workshop. Um, so if it doesn't work, I don't feel bad at all. And they won't feel bad. That's honestly what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they all felt something really amazing. And so I thought, oh, you know, even sometimes the sound does get cut out electronically, but they still feel it. It's, it's as though, um, you know, there's still sound vibrations happening outside this house, you know, that somehow if you believe in that, I'm still feeling it, even though it's out there. And um, so anyway, I digress. But, uh, it, you know, if, if someone is listening and, and wants to have an experience of working with me, please, please don't let geography be a factor to say no. Reach out and let's make something happen. Um, I have a YouTube channel, so we'll put the link below and there are some videos there about sound healing also about music lessons and there's a video that I made at the beginning of the pandemic (laughs) which uh, is uh, my attempt to try to go viral and uh, it has the most views of all my videos even though it's not really sound healing or music lessons but it is music and comedy and um, social awareness all together Mm. so there's a video there for you as well wonderful yeah and we'll put links to all of that in the show notes i'm Mm. i'm very interested comedy and humor is important to you oh absolutely yeah 
Are you willing to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, interesting. You know, I I thought more recently that I chose humor as a way to cope with my childhood trauma. I thought that I wasn't funny until I started doing my personal development work and really dealing with a lot of that stuff from childhood. But I had a conversation with my mom not too long ago, and she assured me that I've always been funny. <laughs> so it's just, I, don't, I just don't remember being funny. I just, I don't remember much of anything. I think I've really disassociated with a lot of memories from childhood. I just don't remember things. Mm. Um, and so I don't really have memories of being funny as a kid, but my mom does. So I think for me, uh, perhaps humor was a way to cope to, you know, I, I definitely think it is now when I'm stuck in a really difficult situation, even when I'm triggered, I still get triggered. I'm no saint. I'm just like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things piss me off, uh, really, really bother me. And, and I have strong emotions that I need to deal with. Um, so I was in, I was in a very difficult situation a few weeks ago. And even in that moment, I, I had the awareness of this is so ridiculous. I I just felt almost as bad as I've ever felt in my life. Like in this moment, like, Oh, like, so did not want to be there. I didn't want to feel this. Yeah. I still had the awareness of, Oh my gosh, this could be in a, you know, TV show. And somebody would think this is hilarious because it's so messed up. <laughs> so- so should we expect a screenplay anytime soon? <laughs> I have um, I have secret desires to be a stand-up comedian, but I don't want to do any of the work to be a stand-up comedian. Not I, so secret I, now. I'm I'm really averse to criticism. I'm really sensitive to criticism. Uh-huh. So, um, but I have done some stand-up comedy. I think the closest thing to it is the video that's on my YouTube channel, um, and. Uh, I, I did some work as a um, stand-up comedy facilitator with with people with mental health challenges and addictions, uh-huh. helping them rewrite some of their difficult life story into jokes. Um, so I have done some. I love that. That's a, a view into you that I suspect a lot of people don't get to see. There's There's something very vulnerable around that. So I really appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. That's mm-hmm. That's been quite impactful for me. You, you put YouTube videos out there. You're online. You're, you're very much open to the public. Okay, so maybe your jokes don't knock people off their chairs. What's the worst they can say? <laughs> you know, it would be great to see you on a stage somewhere. <laughs> just Just to see you going for it like Mm. yeah yeah that'd be good in terms of outcomes of your work because you you said something earlier about you know you you love your work and you alluded to that you don't feel it it's a job and some people in in one of my training groups have talked about you know if you need to think about work-life balance you're in the wrong job so I sense that all of this is you you're not stepping into a role or performing a job. You are, you are giving of yourself in every moment. You're living in every moment. So in terms of outcomes, both for clients and for yourself, what do you experience? What, what are you getting? 
what is the satisfaction, the buzz, the energy that you get? Mm-hmm. I think the the satisfaction is the empowerment that my clients can feel. That ownership of they created this outcome with me. They are able to feel into their body, into their essence, or they're able to have clarity of thought around a situation that was so confusing before. And that we co-created that space together. So it's not me doing something to them. It's that they felt safe to fully be here and were willing to go on this journey with me. And so for me, I just get huge satisfaction of that hearing them speak in empowerment terms of just what they, what they feel, what they feel is possible, what action they're going to take. You, you know, generally there's some sort of an action that they feel comes from within them that they are going to now take because of this experience that we've shared. And for me, um, you know, in my childhood feeling quite oppressed and like I didn't have a voice or I couldn't advocate for myself or I didn't feel worthy. Uh, the fact that I can help someone take time for themselves without feeling guilty about it and have an outcome that then has an action that drives them for some kind of empowered change where they can feel better about themselves or be treated better by somebody else or put boundaries on a situation. So they're not being taken advantage of that's that ripple effect is just awesome. And now they're also going to have the added benefit of, of, um, having some of your stand-up material practiced on them as well. Uh, keep it separate from the sessions. Captive <laughs> audience, you know, while you've got them in a relaxed and zen-like state, you can just hit them with some of your best one-liners. Uh, no, I think, I think the comedy comes out more in the music teaching. <laughs> you know? When I see a student feeling like they can't do it or they think they're too old or this or that, that kind of negative self-talk, they actually speak it out loud. And then I can just, I can sort of feel their energy, make a joke, and then we kind of move on from there. No, I don't joke around too much in the sound healing sessions. I mean, it's, I like to have it feel, people feel light and hopeful at the end. But yeah, they're a bit, they're a bit more uh, deep and sensitive and uh, <laughs> enlightening, I guess. Well, comedy is a good healer too. And just on the, like with the music teaching, I mean, I, I have physically made people cry with my attempts to play music. So, uh, you know, something's happening there. And mm-hmm. um, Joanna, is there anything that you feel that we haven't touched upon that you really want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel inspired right now about how you make people cry with your... <laughs> Music making. Is that what you said? So when, um, I, when I was in school, I was, um, I was required to learn the tin whistle. And it was in the key of D, this tin whistle. I don't know if you're familiar with the tin whistle. It's got like a mouthpiece and six finger holes on it. And, and I could create the, the most, what, what did somebody once call it? Aural molestation. Hmm. So I molested their ears, basically, um, with my attempts at playing some uh, traditional Irish folky tunes on my little tin whistle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in hearing that, um, yeah, I'm I'm remembering a a client that I had who started out as a sound healing 
client of mine, meaning that she was receiving the sounds from mm. delivering mm-hmm. the sounds. So we collaborated on what her outcomes were, what her desires were. We worked together for a number of months, maybe four or five months. And then she revealed that she had been told that she was tone deaf and she was not allowed to sing, not even happy birthday in her family with her. Oh, wow. That she was forbidden to sing because people would make fun of her, tell her to stop singing. And I said, you know, we can work on this if you're open, if it's something that matters to you. And she was a bit reluctant. <laughs> and then we, we did. And um, what was really beautiful about working with her is that she was creating her own music and using her own voice to create sound. So sometimes we can feel limited by thinking it has to be a certain way. Mm. Uh, like we need to sound like Joanna because her voice sounded this way. And that's not what it's about at all. It's that we all have a voice. My voice maybe is more trained than yours. And you can, if you have the interest and desire to train your voice to be more desirable to yourself and to other people around you, if you Mm. choose to share it and you don't have to share it, (laughs) sharing, you can also experience the sound healing for your voice and, and have a journey to be more resonant and comfortable in your own voice and decide not to share it. That's okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, that she was able to create her own music. She wrote a poem, she put it to music and I don't know that she ever shared it with anybody in her family, but for her, that was her way of feeling empowered, right? Mm-hmm. That she doesn't need to take this, uh, you know, these kinds of comments from her family that she has no, musical ability she invested in herself took the time found it very healing made her Mm. own music it's like whoo awesome well we you know we take on all of those interjects in our life that manifest then later in life as limiting beliefs and and so much of the work that coaches and counselors and therapists have to do is to try and undo that harm those labels that are other people's labels and I have to share with you Joanna Grace I will tell you and the dear listenership that I would knock the socks off of Michael Buble when I'm in the shower I have a range and melody that would make the man cry with joy Um, and I know you Canadians are very fond of Michael Buble we're quite fond of him over here as well on a serious note I have found myself in like in a space of a shower, certain tones. I, I will I will maybe just do a deep humming. I just find myself doing it. And it's such a an experience because it just in that space, you can play with that sound in the space. And I love doing that. My anecdote about my tin whistle was a little bit tongue in cheek because when I was growing up, my sisters uh, used to play the piano accordion. And we had a little terrier dog who used to, when they would play the piano accordion, he would howl. And we always said that he was singing rather than protesting. But they, they were very good, you know, and there was a lot of music in my, in my household. Um, it's just interesting that I was never particularly drawn to learning a musical instrument. And attempts in school to make us learn a musical instrument, we can't make somebody do anything. But I love poetry. And I, as I said at the start, when we started recording, I love, I love rhythm and pattern in sound. And it doesn't have to be music, just sound. 
I don't know if you, you have this in Canada, over here in the UK, they love what they call the, the church bells. And on a Sunday evening on a particular radio station in the UK, they play church bells. And it's, it's dissonance for me. There doesn't feel to be any melody to it. It's just a cacophony of sound. And, uh, and, it, and it really jars my, my, my nervous system. But I'm, I know that people can hear rhythm in it and they hear a melody and they hear a tune. Um, and I accept that. Is there anything else? Mm. I want to make sure that we honor you and the work that you do. I'd like to mention um, that the greatest objection people have to embracing sound healing is they feel that they don't have the time to dedicate to themselves because mm-hmm. there's other people that need them more. That is the number one objection I get from the people that choose to work with me. They're in giving professions. So oftentimes they are psychologists, counselors, therapists, hospice workers, uh, healthcare workers, people that are interested in spiritual development, personal development. And yet by the time they get to me, I feel like, wow, you know, it took, it took you a long time to take time for yourself. Mm. I just, I just invite the listeners, you know, to, to take some time to yourself. You may not know that you need it. You may think you don't need it. You might think someone else needs you more. There's real value in being able to take time for yourself and letting some things get resolved without you. Mm. Not everything needs you. Not everyone needs you to be resolved. Yeah. If you give someone some space, they can find their own answer. And I think now we're living in a world where so many people are getting these notifications on their phone. Bink, bonk, bink. And our attention can be diverted in so many directions that we can, for some people, lose sense of time for ourselves. Yeah. And, and I think this is a big problem. I think, you know, for, for my clients, taking time for themselves, booking the sessions is challenging. Not because they don't see the value in it. Not because they don't think it's going to work. Oh, they trust it. They believe in it. They, they know it works. They want it. It's just that for some reason, they have a barrier to committing to the time because they think someone else is going to need them more. So I just want to share that. that that's so interesting, Joanna, because Juana and I over lunch were talking about permission. And one of the biggest challenges for me was giving myself permission to take care of myself. And, and sometimes that's hard for people to comprehend what that really means. You know, it wasn't that I was, you know, I wasn't looking after personal hygiene or, or, or anything like that, or I was forgetting to eat, or although my, my meals were very unbalanced. So, so the example I will give is that I now take time out and I try to do it every four weeks like a drumbeat I go for a pedicure and a aromatherapy massage and it for me it's not about well I I enjoy it I mean particularly the pedicure It's, it's heaven but actually the significance of it is that I am irrespective of what else is going on that is my time for me 
and the impact that that has had that I've observed in other parts of my life since is, is quite remarkable. And there was a little bit of me that my magical thinking that, you know, if I took time for myself, the world will stop turning. Well, hey, folks, it doesn't. And it's okay. And like they say on airlines, put your own mask on before you, you attempt to help anybody else. And that's particularly poignant for people in the caring profession. I train with a lot of psychotherapists and counsellors who, who actually need to be reminded to give themselves permission. One of the greatest gifts you can give to yourself is permission. So thank you for sharing that and for reminding us of that. That's, that's very important. Joanna Grace, it's been amazing. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Juana. Thank you so, so much for joining us. It was, it was amazing. I was fascinated from your introduction, from your little intro. I had this smile on my face. Yeah, fascinating. It was so beautiful to have you here. Thank you. Joanna, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Juana. Can you handle the load that you were meant to carry? Cause we're on a mission, listen, it's beyond description. We don't want to fit in if we're living in a contradiction. We need a brand of